one of the biggest ways to stay creative is knowing what's out there. But the thing is, is that you don't want to get so caught up into comparing yourself to this person or this person, this artist, their work and all of that, because that could also cause you to paralyze yourself. But I think being inspired by listening to others and just being aware of what's out there can help you and can help in your in the creative process because it can help give you a sense of, okay, where should I be? What level should I be on? And how can I work to get there if I'm not there? Welcome everybody to episode 25 of the Paul and Pals podcast. I'm your host, Pony with Paul. And Paul and Pals is a podcast where I interview my creative pals to learn how they became who they are today to inspire you for tomorrow. On this episode, I have a creative conversation with my pal Antoine Stanley, a singer slash songwriter from Flint, Michigan. In this episode, we talk about how it felt for his mom to discover that he could sing at the age of three. We then talk about that journey, you know, of being basically a child prodigy, uh, you know, singing for his grandmother at the age of four for her, her birthday. And then going from there to signing his first record deal to releasing his first album, which actually charted at number 22, um, I Can Do Anything. And then we talk about how it was to kind of go through college and learn about other genres of music and really experience that via his collaborations with groups such as Dixon James, Ann Street Soul, Groove Spoon, and most notably Wolfpack. And then lastly, we kind of talk about, you know, how with his next vision, he really just wants to be an artist. And instead of just talking, he wants to start taking action. And one of his first actions will be releasing his solo EP that should be coming out soon. Um, and works to also put an album in the following year. So without any further ado, let's get creative. How are you doing, man? How's just how's everything? How's life? Yeah, life is interesting right now, you know? Uh, no, but it's good. I, I really, I do love life, man. And I try um, with each moment just to appreciate um, where things are mm -hmm. and, um, just appreciate the fact that I can hope and dream big and, you know, uh, that I have family, you know, good friends and yeah, man, it's, yeah. it's just good to, to feel, you know, some freedom. <laughs> I feel that. I think the, and, uh, uh, I'm excited to talk more about, you know, the freedom and especially the whole label independence and just finding yourself and I think mm -hmm. it's funny because I know we attempted this and the, the technical difficulties kind of made it a little bit hard. So I'm glad we're able to get a quick yeah. <laughs> uh, try again. <laughs> and I think it's going to go man. pretty well. Um, yeah, but, you know, sure. first of all, thank you, Antoine, for willing to come. Uh, you know, when I was talking to you, you kind of mentioned, you know, you're not really doing a lot of interviews right now. So it felt really special that you were willing to take the chance with me. So I'm excited <laughs> for everybody to hear your story and uh, be inspired okay. by it because I know I am. And so uh, I want to start by always talking about, you know, how we know each other, how, you know, how are we actually pals, right? And right. it kind of goes back to the University of Michigan. There was a program called Leadership. You know, I'll let you describe what that is in a, in a second. But that program was dope because it really kind of gave the idea of what a leader kind of meant to me. I didn't really... You know, there's a, we all know the definition of a leader, right? But I felt like it wasn't until, like, we did all these little programs and side missions and games and little, mm -hmm. almost like therapy sessions in a way that was really <laughs> dope. And I remember you were the, um, like, consultant leader for basically <laughs> our little cohort. And so, it was really dope. We really got connected over that and uh, stayed in touch. But, um, you know, I'm glad I was able to meet you from then. And if you want to kind of describe a better, a better description of leadership, feel free to do that. 
Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. I, um, I think you gave a really good description of what leadership is. Leadership is like a, like an offsite four to six day retreat, um, getaway for, uh, in this case, you know, we all were, uh, well, you were a student and I was working at the university. So staff, um, and yeah, you get away and you basically, uh, get away for self-discovery and you find out how you can lead in your own life mm-hmm. and, and what that means on an even bigger scale like how does that you know how does the work that you feel you're drawn to your purpose how does that relate to the outside world and so basically you go to this site and it allows you an opportunity to be able to just kind of look inside and to share that with others and to get their feedback on it and so my role i was i think i was like a the the title that I had was like a cluster facilitator. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we would often get together as a big, so the leadership um, program, you were like this big family, right? And the family would often get together. But when we would go out into these breakout sessions, you would be split into like, I think they were cohorts of about maybe seven to 10. Mm -hmm. And you were in my cohort. And so um, I led that group. And we weren't like the parents or anything. We were just there to help facilitate discussion in the activities and um, just to make sure that people had equal time to share. And uh, we would also give our own stories and things of that sort. But by the end of it, you, you know, you, you've developed these friendships that are, you know, sometimes long lasting and very impactful. And, you know, you just get an opportunity as a student to step out of the classroom and into you know, a different type of setting to get to know your peers. Mm. And um, it's really cool, man, because it brought together, you know, it brings together international students, U.S. students. And, you know, um, yeah, you get to hear so many um, thoughts uh, and worldviews. And yeah, it's just really interesting. That's a that's a way better uh, summarization of what no, leadership man. is. And uh, mm-hmm. like you said, I actually am still pretty good friends with uh, one of the people that I met. I think she was in my cluster, but she's actually also a fan of the podcast. So shout out, shout out to her. And oh, um, sweet. <laughs> uh, just to kind of get into you, your story, and we're gonna figure out how you know you are creative and how you stay creative. I would like yeah. for you to first, you know, take us back to when this whole history of you being a, a singer songwriter first started, what is this moment that you feel kind of starts that, that creative journey? Okay. Um, so I started singing when I was three years old and that there was pretty much the beginning of my, of my journey as a, as a singer. Um, I, at that time I didn't really know about artistry or anything of that sort. I just discovered this gift of being able to sing. Um, the story goes that my mom was in the kitchen and she was cooking and she was humming a little bit of, or no, no, she was actually singing a little bit of Amazing Grace. And um, she, while, while doing whatever it was that she was doing, she paused and I suddenly broke out with my own little version of Amazing Grace. And she was so shocked. And it's too funny because I do remember bits and pieces of, uh, of of how that came to be. And so she heard me sing 
And to her, it was different. It was, I guess, not like the average three-year-old <laughs> singer, you know? She was like, oh, my baby can sing, you know? <laughs> I mean, three-year-olds so, is crazy for anybody. Like, that's that's wild. I guess so. And and, and so I broke up with my own little version of, a, of that song, and she got on the phone, started calling family members and friends. She did. I think I remember her even going outside, you know, going outside the the house and she was just going crazy, you know, mm -hmm. and um, it was it was pretty amazing. And it was then that um, the journey kind of began for me. And I my first uh, gig was my great grandmother's. I think it was her 80th birthday party. And, um, yeah, I may be wrong on the year, but I knew, I mean, it was my great grandmother, <laughs> so obviously she was up there, but, um, no, that was my first, uh, gig. And it was too funny because here I was, you know, with this, you know, big old mic, big old, you know, big mic and, you know, little yeah. body, big head and uh, just, you know, just kind of singing away. And, uh, yeah. it was fun. I loved it. I really loved, um, the reaction and the response and, I thought it was cool that here this was coming out of me and I didn't know how, um, I didn't know why, but it was. And um, from then on, you know, people in the community started taking note and I would be invited to, you know, sing at other churches and, you know, um, youth events and, and yeah. And that's just how it began. And so, um, that's crazy. And the now, rest, you yeah. at that time, at three years old, were you aware of, because I, I can't honestly remember, I don't think I can remember anything vividly before five, right? So the fact that you remember <laughs> a vivid moment at three is crazy. But at that time, were you like, oh, I'm a singer, I'm an artist, or was it more like, I'm just doing what my mom likes to do? Like, how was that? How yeah. How was you kind of coming to reckon with that? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't. I don't think that I had complete consciousness of what was going on you know I, I feel like when you're i feel like when you're a kid you just do things based on what you see and um and what you hear and my mom she used to sing when she was um in school like when you know when she growing up and especially in high school she would sing and um yeah she had her friends that she would hang out with and they would sing they would do talent shows and things of that sort so my mom was always singing around the house there was never really a dull moment in the house because music was always music had music always filled some part, you know. And um yeah, I just I I just kinda took that on and uh I like I said, I enjoyed the reaction and the response uh that I got from it. And mm -hmm. the rest was pretty much, you know, history. History. But that's how it started for me. Um, I think that gift that my mom had just kind of rubbed off on me and she just claims that I, you know, I stole her gift, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I can see that. And I, you know, obviously you've mentioned that she's your, your biggest fan and I'm kind of curious if you'd like to tell us more about, you know, the impact that your mom had on you, because I know she kind of had you young and that mm -hmm. in itself has made you kind of who you are today. Cause so give us a little bit of background about your background, um, kind of being raised. Yeah. Together. Yeah, my mother, she was a teenage mother. And um, so it was, it was, it was tough, you know, I mean, she did definitely have the support of family and friends, but um, being uh, a young, you know, teenage mother, it's, it's 
difficult when you're trying to put yourself through school, right? You know, then mm-hmm. she was in high school, but, um, and then you, you know, you're trying to raise, you know, this young, this kid, you know, it's, yeah, you know, every now and then, and again, we'll speak on that and how it's just remarkable that she was able to do that job. And then you think about where things are today and it's like, man, I could, I know I couldn't have imagined anything like that. Um, so yeah. Um, but she definitely instilled, you know, you know, values, uh, that last even to this day. And, um, I'm so grateful, you know, and I also have a brother and we, you know, she would also, she would often tell us that I am equipping you daily with the tools necessary in order to build your future. So when it comes to things like treating others the way you want to be treated, um, loving your neighbor and, and using your mind, um, those are things, those are the tools. And, uh, yeah, so she, her presence in my life is invaluable and, uh, yeah. I love that. And, um, kind of growing up in, you know, Flint, Michigan, you know, very close to home in university of Michigan. Uh, yeah. what was the impact of the community? Once, you know, you, you mentioned that your mom was kind of telling everybody, Hey, I can sing. Did you kind of feel yeah. out of love from the city itself? Or did you kind of have to go out and start seeing that as you started like maybe touring or something? Where did all that love started coming from? Yeah. Well, yeah. When, like when the community started finding out that I was musical, um, people would, um, often just contact my mom and say, Hey, I heard about this, about that young man. I would yeah. love to get him over to my event, whether it was a church event or, you know, anything. And, um, yeah. And we were on it. My mom, she knew that I loved to do it. And yeah, she was like my manager. <laughs> she was like my manager kind of, you know, guiding, guiding me. And, um, it was fun. It was, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, so that's how I started meeting other musicians in the community and hanging out with them and just kind of learning the ropes, learning more about how to sing and, mm-hmm. um, you know, learning about in different instruments and things of that sort. And, um, gotcha. uh, it, yeah, so it was really, it was a, it was a learning experience and, and, and it was a growing one too. Here I was growing physically and also growing, you know, with knowledge yeah. about music and it was a lot happening, man. And, uh, but if so Flint was, uh, it, Flint definitely helped mold me. And, uh, I know Flint can get a bad rap about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, it was a booming city at one point, but you know, things just kind of went downhill. But, um, in terms of, it, it's not so much about the, the, the geography, you know, what, uh, the, the, the land itself as it mm-hmm. is about the people for me. That's, that's when I think about Flint. That's what makes Flint home for me. It's the people who uh, have helped cultivate, uh, you know, helped me cultivate the gift. And uh, so Flint is always home. Everything uh, that I've done, every any place I've gone to, I've always, you know, found myself, um, you know, visiting or going back to Flint for some reason, you know, whether it's you know, some of the family that may be there or some of the friends or, um, yeah. So Flint will always be home no matter who I become or where I go. Yeah. <laughs> now I can tell you have love for it. I, I heard um, oh, yeah. your podcast episode with, 
I believe it was the Save the Water campaign of probably about three years ago, mm-hmm. where they were oh, trying yeah. to, you know, kind of garner support and make sure that all the, at least the politicians of that area of Michigan were, um, you know, really looking at the Flint water crisis. So I wanted to know a little bit about that and like, how did you kind of get involved with that? And are, do you know if there's anything happening now with that Flint water crisis? Are you still kind of in the works on that? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, around that time, let me see, uh, I had an interview with um, a gentleman named Seth Bernard and Andy. Yeah, they were doing um, this. Uh, I think it had something to do with uh, uh, with a pipeline. And um, I forget all of the specifics, but uh, they had spoken to some uh, city residents uh, about the situation and just their experience with the crisis. And I was one of those folks. And um, yeah, I just kind of gave a little bit of my experience because, you know, I was still going in and out of Flint, you know, a lot. And so, you know, I still was one of those that, you know, was affected because I used, you know, the water system and things of that sort and family uh, or some family and, you know, some friends. And so it affected every, you know, it, it affected everybody. And, um, yeah, and I think um, doing, uh, sitting down with that team that had done that uh, presentation there, I thought it was, uh, it was, I thought it was a good experience, and I thought it was informative um, because it kind of gave uh, others that firsthand knowledge, you know, from people who were actually who had actually gone through the ex- that experience, and so yeah, that's what that was about, and you know, as for things currently. You know, uh, I, I can't say I don't. I can't say that things are absolutely one hundred percent, but yeah. um, I think the, the situation is better. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's an it's a very unfortunate situation, and it's uh, man, it's it's really BS. You know, when you really yeah. think about the kind of country that we have, and uh, but I can I can take that so many other ways and so i don't want to go there but um it is it is really it's really a bunch of bull and um yeah people definitely shouldn't have to experience anything Mm -hmm. like that and uh yeah but i do think that there are many situations like that in the country so Mm -hmm. flint uh, i think we kind of came the poster child for that and um yeah so it was unfortunate but i'm also glad that it was exposed yeah. And I think it was good that you were able to use that, you know, the influence of you and the platform, because obviously if you if you relate to it, you know, you grew up from there and, you know, going back to your childhood, now that we've kind of established you from Flint, your mom, you know, had singing experience and you're this you're yeah. this child prodigy. Right. I'm kind of <laughs> curious, like as you're growing up, what was your mindset in terms of like, OK, I can sing. I've. I've realized that people like me. What was your mindset kind of growing up? Was it kind of like, okay, I'm going to be a singer from the age of four? Was that your mindset? Or were you kind of like, oh, let me just keep doing it because it's fun? Well, I mean, I, at first it was let me do it because it's fun. I love it. I enjoy it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when you start seeing, um, you know, the stars on TV and hearing them on the radio, it's just like, ooh, this is something that I could do when I'm that age or when I, you know, uh, you know, grow that much, you know, it's just like, man. (laughs) And so it, it, it kind of evolved from like, Oh, this is something that is very fun to do to something that, Oh, wow. Maybe I could do this like on a full-time basis. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, 
yeah, those things started developing, you know, as I got older, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. And so take us through the first time you had to like kind of get serious with it, because I know you had your first record deal kind of young. So I wanted to know how did that actually come to be? And, you know, the music industry, there's a there's a connotation about it. Right. So I want to I'm curious about, you know, what you kind of went through as you went into it and then kind of what you learned from it as well. Yeah. Again, my mom was very instrumental in helping me um, go through the process. So I feel like I'm fortunate in, in many ways not to have had you know, any insane experiences as a child, um, having experience through the, you know, in the industry at a young age. Um, I, man, I've, I've, I've have such a, you know, a long story when it comes to, um, record deals and things of that sort. You know, yeah. I, at one point I had, Oh, wow. I had auditioned for like the Motown talent search and, you know, then wound up with like a demo development deal. And, um, but I was still very young and so it never fully materialized. And I had gone through some experiences with some other labels and, um, it, it was an, it was a, it was quite a journey. And, uh, but through it all, like I said, my mom was there and I also had a management team at that time too, who helped to guide me through all of that. And so, and in some ways I was like shielded from, you know, some of the <clears throat> pitfalls that I guess I could have gotten stuck in. Um, yeah. but I think the biggest thing was that I was still really young. And so people were just kind of thinking, man, how, what do we do with this kid? Who's really talented? You know, how do you, uh, market that? How do you nurture it? And, um, and not, um, do it, you know, to his detriment. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. And so I didn't really get caught up in a lot of that, which I'm, I'm I am grateful for, uh, due to just good people be, I, I was surrounded by. Yeah. I see. Got you. And you mentioned, you talked about some of the stuff that you did, like the Motown talent search. Were there any other, mm-hmm. other maybe big gigs that you might've done before you mm-hmm. kind of released that first album? Like what was your, I guess, right. journey during, during that time. Yeah. So I had, um, so I had done the Motown thing and I had, uh, let's see, I had gone on the Queen Latifah show oh. and that was in, I believe 99 when she had her TV show. Yeah. It was like a, like a short stint that she had, but, um, I think I was, well, let me go back because the first big talent thing that I did, co- talent competition I did was in 95, and I think I was like eight, and That's it was, was in Flint. <laughs> oh, God, man, you, now you aging me, you wouldn't mention no, bro, that. No, it's only, it's only eight years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, only eight years, man, a lot happened today. But no, 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 it's all good. Yeah. I, uh, my first big co- talent competition was in Flint. Yeah. Okay. It's called the Flint Super Show, and it, um, the audition, you know, all of the, um, Flint talent, or at least as many would at, you know, went out and, um, I forget how many people were on program, but I sang on the program and I won the competition and, uh, it was too funny, man. I had worked with one of the local musicians and we got our songs together and, um, we presented it during the competition. And by the end I got like a thousand dollar (laughs) check. Hey, you rich. (laughs) Eight Eight years years old. old. 
thousand dollars, right? Wow. It's like what? And it was too funny because the presentation of the check, the check was huge. It was like that. You ever seen the the publisher's clearance yeah, house? Yeah, like the, that big thing that yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. I, man, the check was bigger than me, and uh, <laughs> by like three or four times. And um, that was my first big com- you know competition that I had won, and I was like, yeah, what? And so, um, what do you even do then, with that? I've always wondered about that. Like that big check, like. Do you just keep yeah. it? Do they take it back? Because it's kind of unnecessary after a while, right? <laughs> like, I can't do nothing with you this. You know what? You know what? I, I think I did keep the check. I kept oh. the check. Well, I don't I don't have it anymore. But yeah. I forget what happened to it. But I remember taking it home. I see. Yeah. So, yeah. I've always, I wondered, I've always wondered that. <laughs> I funny. think my mom was like, oh, yeah, you, oh, you're taking that check home. That, that check going home. <laughs> and, uh, no. <laughs> but, That's funny. Yeah. Uh, I forget what actually happened to the big check though mm-hmm. but um anywho um yeah so that was that was that was the reward you know for that wow. and and as far as other competitions so that was in 90 um 95 and i think in 99 queen latifah had a talent show mm-hmm. and it was too funny because my aunt had uh, found out about it uh, through an, like a tv advertisement and um, she contacted my mom, and we had we were able to reach out to the producers of the show, <clears throat> and I sang for the producers, and they were like, "Yes, we gotta have you here." And so wow. I went, did my song, and I won that one too. What? <laughs> and um, and you so got to I meet Queen Latifah too. Yeah, man, she's That's so dope. she's so nice. No, it's so That's nice. Dope. And um, very like supportive and hospitable, and um, that whole experience was really cool. Got to meet other talent as well, and uh, I forget who all the judges were. I think one of the judges was uh, from like Rough Riders Entertainment. Another one was like a dancer. She had danced with like J- Janet Jackson, and then wow. uh, oh man, and then I forget the other judges. Um, name, and was that also but- a, a cash prize, or was that more like a? opportunity prize like now we're gonna try to sign you or incubator system how what was that yeah so i forget what the what the ultimate prize was because uh, there was a moment um i didn't go i didn't go back to the competition so i won the segment but i didn't Mm. go back to compete for the uh, for the other round and i think that had to do with um, me being involved in talks with like a label Mm. and so yeah i didn't go back but I did win that round, and and I also got like a plaque, like a Queen Latifah plaque, <laughs> fine, from the show, and and it was and it was you know national recognition too, so you know it wasn't too bad of a uh, of a deal, but yeah. and and I was uh, I was like twelve, I think, um, mm-hmm. yeah, my math is a little you know a little shaky, so doesn't matter, uh, man. You're, living, and, you're you're killing it at age. I don't even know if it's 13, 14. Like, if you're under 18 and you out here going to... That's hilarious. Queen Latifah. That's that's amazing. And, and, yeah, uh, so it was the... What was that? Yeah, I, I was going to say, yeah, so it was that. And uh, I'm trying to think of another. Uh, I think in... Uh, what was it? What, yeah, I forget what year. Was it 2012? Uh, well, I had done the Apollo. Oh, and uh, Showtime at the Apollo, and that was, you know, that was crazy because it was like, man, that's the famed Apollo that's Theater, the, yeah. you know, where a lot of the the you know performers that I admire and adore 
passed, you know, through there and they got either the seal of approval or yeah. you know, they got swept out by the sand. <laughs> right, you know? Um, and I, I was actually part of the kids competition and, um, and I won two shows with someone else. Um, and yeah, that was, I was like, what? Wait, as I a group or is it like y'all just performed at the same time? No, we, so, it... so we, so we were solo acts, okay. but, um, at the end, um, you know, when they bring, bring you out in the crowd, like trying to cheers, oh, they wound okay. up giving, uh, they wound like up giving tie. us both. Yeah. Like a Got tie. You. And, um, and, uh, this is really cool. And, um, I think her name was like Tiffany Evans and I think she had done something with, oh man, I forget. Uh, was it Bow Wow or something? I don't know. I forget, but she had actually gone and, and, and I think she charted, uh, on okay. billboard at, at one point, but just like no, man, it we'll, we'll get into that later. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. But it, it, what a cool experience. And I think at that time, Monique, um, was hosting, uh, wow. the actress and uh comedian you know um yeah it was really cool to meet her for a split second too she's mm -hmm. hilarious man but that's dope yeah. man you gotta and this is only it's funny because this is only like the beginning of your story you're not even like 18 <laughs> at this point um <laughs> and yes, um something i was gonna say oh yeah i was gonna ask you you mentioned like a little bit like you didn't go back for the main segment because you started to talk about or get into the record label talks. So take us through your first, um, your first deal, record deal, I guess, because I think that's where you released your first album. Well, I had, you know, um, experiences with various labels, um, even after the Motown thing, but all, all, all the while it was really just trying to find out, okay, well, we know that there's this kid, he's very talented. But we have to figure out how to market this, you know, artist. Um, and um, so I was really just trying to find myself identity. You know, it, that's, you know, it's too funny. You're eight years old or, you know, you're, thinking, you're not thinking of identity. You're just thinking about, hey, look, I want to have fun. And this is something that allows me to do that. And so I did all, a lot of that. And then... I was finally introduced to, to um, a prominent pastor in the Detroit area who had a label called Bajade, and it was an independent label. And I believe it was around 17 at that time. And uh, I, my management team had introduced um, um, the pastor to me because they were looking, you know, just kind of like for new talent. And yeah, and so I got a chance to go and I sang at the church, you know, a few times and it was just like, what who is this kid? Yeah. You know, and so, um, yeah, and not long after I was signed to the label and on track to make my first uh, and now only <laughs> um, <laughs> album and yeah. Uh, and yeah, and it actually came to fruition and it was it was pretty neat because that was something that I had, you know, been, I was looking forward to doing, especially once I got into my teens, you know, I had, you know, known by that time that, you know, you can have, uh, uh, you know, a CD or something like that. And so it's like, yeah, I, I finally get a chance to do what yeah. I really want to do. And, um, that's what happened with the label. I was able to do, I can do anything was the name of the project it was released in 2006 and um, so the, basically the process for that was um, meeting with these producers and um, 
writing them, you know, writing these songs here. And mm-hmm. for me, it was, uh, it was, it was not as hands-on as probably um, I maybe wished it could have been at the time, but I was really, I was still really getting, getting used to like this whole thing, concept of artistry and things of that sort. Hands-on as in and like you weren't the one. Like writing and writing everything. things okay. of that sort. It was more mm-hmm. me talking about my experience and them listening and uh, tailoring the songs to me, mm. which was great, you know, but I think nowadays um, it's a different world and there's so much more freedom and so much more you can do as an artist. And um, not saying that you couldn't do that then, but for me, it was, uh, I was still learning artistry and um, how to, you know, how do I present myself, you know, to a large body of people who are interested in learning more about me and the Mm -hmm. gift. So that's what it was. It was learning more about how to use the gift, you know, so rather than just singing, well, you can write a song and you can do this and you can do this. You can get a team of people that, you know, it's just, it was a lot of that going on and I was still pretty young and, uh, but it was still, it was still a cool experience. Very interesting. And, um, and the, and the, product in the end was the was the album which came out in 06 gotcha and you want to do you want to flex a little bit and tell us how that that album did your debut <laughs> album oh man it was man i i was i was kind of shocked man so it i mean of course i had a really good team of people there was a really good team of people working and my mom was also very instrumental in helping um propel the, that record as well and it wound up uh, on the number 22 on the billboard charts the song teach me was the one of the singles and i was like ah can i believe this i cannot believe it you know everybody was going crazy and just about how um just about at the success and uh and it was also nominated for a couple stellar awards and the stellars are like very similar to like like grammys and so in the gospel world it was just like what and so I got a chance to go to the awards ceremony and it was televised and, um, you know, I, I always found it interesting because, you know, you get to see um, or experience as an artist, you know, your picture on, you know, on TV, you know, when they are announcing the nominees mm-hmm. and they have all the nominees in a different box right. and then you see yours right there and then if, <laughs> if you... And if you win, you know, it blows up and shows you. I didn't yeah. win, unfortunately. Didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> they cut you off real quick because your face cut, is sad. <laughs> cut, me, cut me off real, real quick. Yeah. But, no, was, um, but it was cool to be a nominee, you know. It's yeah. like, wow, first album out the gate, you get a chance to go and be recognized for it, you know, mm-hmm. by peers. And so what an honor. No, what I mean, I mean, nominee for a Grammy or some Grammy similar is Better than nothing mm-hmm. in my hand. I think, um, <laughs> especially happening so young and kind of hap- relating to happening young, I wanted to ask you, you know, with your first, you know, official capacity of being that artist and it's led by, you know, the pastor and obviously it's a gospel related album. Did you ever have this, uh, you know, I do love gospel music. That's where my, my origin is. But did you kind of feel like you were kind of in a box of like, the, that's the only music that you felt you can make at that time? Right, right. So let me say gospel is my heart. And no matter what I do, gospel will always be the center and the 
um, at the core of who I am as a musician. Uh, and, um, yeah, but it wasn't really until my, uh, later 10 years. Uh, and then when I got, in, when I got into college where, you know, your ears really kind of perk up. I mean, because growing up, I was always exposed to various, you know, to many different genres of music, you know, from rock to country to, you know, soul, R&B, gospel, jazz. And so that was another great thing about growing up is being exposed to all these different types of music. But it's like, man, you, you're, you, you chose gospel. Gospel's your thing, you know, gospel's yeah. your thing. So you, you know, but, um, yeah, when I got to college, I was like, man, because I was even studying a bit of classical music in college. And so, um, yeah, it was a very interesting time because I'm like, man, I, there's so much, there's so many options, you know, it's like, what do you, what do you choose? And, um, I started connecting with friends and we started, you know, doing and uh, creating different types of music and things of that sort. And, you know, I would post something online here and there that may or may not be gospel and people would react to it and man, said, you know, man, this made me feel a certain way. And, you know, I was like, wow. And so you, you, you learn that music can communicate, music communicates this feeling. And, um, but that's something that I've pretty much known all the, all along, but it's just that, you know, you come into this certain consciousness as, um, as an, as an adult and it's like, wow, wow. Yeah, that is yeah. very true. And you find ways to lean more into that. So, um, now it's not so much about making songs that have have to say, you know, God or Jesus in it, but having songs that point to certain values or principles that could potentially lead people to, you know, what you believe spiritually, right? Mm -hmm. um, but doing it in a, in a way that is maybe not as overt as it was when I was younger. And mm -hmm. so, yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, and I mentioned it before because I was talking about it also with somebody else, but I saw this clip. It was a Jay-Z's interview. And in the interview, he had talked about how he felt that, you know, we're meant to live life by living life through our talents. And I think I relate mm. to that when you say that even though you grew up in the church, you grew up with gospel, you might feel like, I, I don't want to step out of this box and sing about other things. But I see it as your, your ability is singing and people enjoy your your music, your voice to the point that it makes them feel better. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if you're doing that, then I think you are living through whatever you believe in. So I think yeah. you're, you're doing a doing a great job of that. And I uh, love that. Yes, thank you, man. I, I love that. That that's very inspiring, you know, to hear. And um, yeah, a lot, and a lot of singers have struggled with it. A lot of artists, you know, even Sam Cooke, you know, struggled with that. Um, you know, Ray Charles, mm -hmm. you know, got flack, you know, too. So. It's it's definitely a common thing, um, but you have to you just have to be secure in, in, in the belief or in your belief and exactly. what God has instilled in you and um, the trust that you've been given to go out and, and, and affect the world so that you can. Um, yeah, just yeah, I guess cause people to feel something and maybe exactly. change if, something if for the goal, you know, for the better. However, you yeah. can do that is uh, is key. And uh, mm -hmm. kind of going back, you, you said something about how college was this kind of, you know, awakening as it does for most, you know, definitely for me, I, uh, <laughs> growing up, you know, my parents were very just 
they definitely wanted me to focus on school and I definitely appreciate them instilling that in me now, but it would lead to me kind of being annoyed or mad because I'm like, man, I want to go chill. My homies are like, oh, I got to stand and read again. <laughs> so it was like when I got to college, it was all this pent up like, oh, I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to be outside. And, you know, it was, it was good to have that, though, because I think it taught me about myself and, you know, what's good and what's what's bad for myself. Right. It's like. It's good to, I think it's always good to give people this chance to have the experience and then whatever they learn from that experience, they can't really learn by you just telling them no, right? Mm. So it was good to really, you know, learn myself to, to be cliche in college. And I want to know more about your college experience. Like, were you kind of going there with a mindset of like, I really want to get this specific education so it can better myself as an artist? Or are you more trying to just um, learn something because you wanted to, you know, get a job and officially just have a career aside from music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was probably more of the latter. I mean, education was paramount at home. Uh, my mom was a really, you know, uh, a, a big believer in education. And so, um, yeah, she definitely wanted me to go to college. Um, even um, in spite of having released, uh, you know, a, a record. Album. Or, or topping album. Being, uh, chart <laughs> or being on the verge of releasing an album you know she yeah. was like hey look you got to get your education and uh, fortunately the, the the label did understand that and um yeah they supported that as well so it was it was it was i had the best of so many worlds i feel like you know i had a really good support base but um i studied music and sociology and so i was always into like music and culture you know and um uh, uh, i was studying classical music um and uh, I wanted to learn a little bit more about the, about how the voice works and and things of that sort. And I think I really I got a pretty solid education, you know, with the time that I spent there studying that. And then, um, yeah, I, I I went to college with that mindset of okay, I, I need to mm. get an education. I want to get some. I want to get some paper. I want to get some credentials, right? And yeah. you know, not just um, just being able to sing in that set. You know, I wanted to yeah. be able to show that you know there there are other sides of me and so that was the intention and i think yeah i think it was very helpful uh, the mm -hmm. biggest thing about college for me was the networking too you know being able to connect with others and you know seeing where things would lead after college you know or even yeah. during you know but um college it was just such a great experience and mm -hmm. Um, but it's, I understand too, that it's not for everybody. Um, and so everybody has their own path, but that was the path that I chose to take. And uh, I have no regrets about it. Gotcha. And I wanted yeah. to uh, go in a little bit more about your, the creative entrepreneur side of things, because I think um, you made a good point that although you had that talent, although you were working on music that would eventually become, you know, your, your debut album. I think mm -hmm. it's good that you thought about the, you know, what else or what if. And I wanted to know kind of like where you are now. Are you kind of thinking about, okay, I understand that I still want to pursue this music thing. I want to do that. But are you also thinking about the business side of things? Like, do you want to sign artists? Do you want to have a, a, a platform that, you know, kind of brings in some type of revenue? So I wanted to know what are your thoughts right. on the creative entrepreneurship side of things? Yeah, I do. I, I do think that you are an artist nowadays can, has the capacity to run their empire, you know, mm -hmm. without um, being signed to a label. I mean, look at look at Chance the Rapper. You know, that's 
you know, it, when you ha when you see people like that, it's very inspiring, you know, and um, not saying that uh, I'm not saying that, rec that la record labels are bad. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that there there's more um, that is accessible today at your fingertips that you're able to to do and to control. Um, and if you're that type of a person, it's like, by all means, do it, you know, mm -hmm. take take charge. Yeah. Um, if you can write your own music, do it. If you can market it, do it. And, you know, if you can, um, if you can help others, meaning if you want to sign talent and help nurture and push it, you can do it. You can do it. Now it requires, you know, a lot of effort, but what doesn't, you know? And for me right now, <clears throat> um, especially having gone to college and connected with others and, um, you know, the industry had changed a lot from when I was, you know, young uh, up until now. I mean, we've gone to almost a complete digital world. And so even after I had released my solo album, things almost, you know, instantly changed and had gone digital, you know. And so um, a lot of things became kind of obsolete. And yeah, and. So during that college experience, I was able to connect with others who, you know, were very much into like technology and things of that sort. And yeah, so we get to now and, you know, I've been able to collaborate with many people who seem to have a really good grasp on, you know, the, um, all things digital, you know, and gotcha. um, it's too funny because I don't consider myself like, um, you know, a know-it-all at all you know i'm still kind of very much a novice when it comes to you know bits and part you know bits and pieces of the of the digital age you know but um but it's all a step-by-step -step. you know there's like a seems like there's like a new social media platform every month right you know it's I like just learned my, one yesterday i'm like <laughs> dang another one <laughs> yeah and so it's yeah. like how do you you know how do you take what you have you know what take your gift and exploit it in the best way possible right mm -hmm. yeah. um and right now i'm not um you know i'm not signed to a leg uh, to a label everything that i do right now is mostly independent but i i've also not really pushed the limits of that yet because i still feel like i am i have things in brew mm -hmm. um and i am still working to fulfill the vision that i have um as you know as an artist and there's a lot of things that I would love to do, um, but I do appreciate and I'm grateful for the things that I have been able to do, um, mostly through a lot of the collaborators that I've worked with. But um, for people who, um, you know, have a desire to um, run their careers, it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible. Definitely. Especially I think the the quarantine kind of caused everybody to really get in their creative bag you know for me oh, i started yeah. this oh. podcast over over um quarantine and it's it's funny Which because it's an idea I've, I've had for a while right yeah but i think when yeah. you're when you're pushed to this limit or you're you're trapped in this box we call an apartment <laughs> it's like you gotta do something right so i think um hey we all gotta do something yeah. no i do I, I do love the whole creative economy and not even you don't mm -hmm. i don't think everybody has to be a creator per se but i think the the doing part of life where mm -hmm. you have an idea and you just you're curious about it i definitely want people to be willing to pursue that because as i say all the time you never know until you try right and then if you try and it sucks then 
you learn how to maybe not, not make it suck, right? And then it try and it works. <laughs> now it works. So it's just a matter right. of that that action. So I love that you're in that mindset too. And uh, I, you, I had a curious question because you you mentioned you were you were kind of at that point where streaming wasn't really a thing. You were still selling CDs, and then it switched after you dropped your album because yeah. I noticed your album yeah. isn't on like streaming services. So I wanted to ask about that and how right. are you dealing with that. Well, yeah. Well, it actually was it for for a period of time, and I think um, it being taken down had something to do with the label and distribution. And so, the, yeah, you're no longer really able to stream the music um, on on those platforms. I think, although <clears throat> I think it may still be like on like Amazon or something like that. But okay. I, I uh, but uh, yeah, I'm not really sure. I don't have, like have a date where those things would would it, where it would be back up again. Gotcha. I think my concentration has mostly been on moving forward. And um, and and the release of new material. I mean, there's a lot of mm -hmm. collaborative stuff that I've done out there, but I've, I'm also um, looking forward to setting, laying kind of a newer foundation mm -hmm. uh, because Antoine Stanley from I Can Do Anything is not the Antoine Stanley or not completely the Antoine Stanley that you get when you look yeah. at post I Can Do Anything stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, And it, it may not sense. be... And it may not be the same Antoine, you know, Stanley that you see with collaborators, you know, that is the solo artist. So yeah. there's a lot of stuff out there that is all over the place when it concerns me. But um, I, I think my excitement is the vision that I have and, and, and am in some ways still developing that will eventually come forth. And um, yeah. That's yeah. what my, I think, I think that's what my life is about now. And I think that mm -hmm. that is probably, I don't call it a struggle, but I, 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 I think it's the biggest challenge um, because so many people have seen me in so many different ways. And so eventually people were going to say, okay, now that Antoine is like, he's past the 30 year, 30, yeah. you know, year, um, Hey, that's still the young, 30 year man. line. That's still young. I mean, yeah. well, I guess. I guess. No, I'm just <laughs> no, but now that I've reached a certain level of maturity, I think yeah. um, it's cool for people to see. Wow, he had his sound has grown, or his aura, or his presence, or whatever it has grown, and I'm so, I'm excited for people mm. to to see that. But I feel like it's still in brew, and um, I've been working away. Yeah, for sure. And I want to talk about that growth, you know, the post, I can do anything, Antoine Stanley. You know, <laughs> I know in college you met a lot of different collaborators. You know, most are probably familiar with you um, with Wolfpack, but I know that wasn't your first one. So can you kind of take us through your different collaborators and how, how that came to be? You know, Dick and James, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Groove Spoon and mm -hmm. Street Soul, like all those. Take yeah. us how that came to be. Yeah, so... When I first got to college, you know, I was, I mean, of course, I was there, you know, for the music. And um, one of the scenes there was the acapella music scene. And University of Michigan was known for, like, a uh, crap ton of acapella groups. And they were all, you know, you know, pretty good. And uh, I, you know, staying on North Campus. And um, it was, there was one night of attending a like a powwow for acapella college acapella and mm. i ran into 
a gentleman who stayed in uh, one of the houses uh, next uh, to the one that I lived in. I think it was mm -hmm. so. I lived in Zuet House on and uh, and Bates too on North oh. Campus. <laughs> North Campus. I, I remember this. Yeah, and then I think he lived um, in Theme House, which was right next door. Mm -hmm. And um, I caught him, you know, leaving and asked about one of the groups that I, you know, heard. And he told me about the, you know, Dixon James. And I was like, hmm, curious. So I went and um, I auditioned, got in and, you know, started jamming with them, you know. And um, so that was an outlet because, you know, that's how people in you know, college started knowing who I was because I was, mm. you know, I started leading a lot of, you know, quite a bit of the songs. <laughs> and um, and so we would go on the road and sing at other colleges and things. And so you connect with others um, and you just kind of develop this network in the collegiate acapella world. It's like, what? You know? Yeah. And, um, and so that and then Groove Spoon, um, one of uh, so the band leader for that band um he was also into acapella too and uh he heard me sing at one of the college night uh acapella nights and we got a chance to meet and you know you know kick it off and uh next thing i knew i was at his you know house in the basement and there was this like 10 piece band <laughs> And playing and, and, and we were, you know, learning, you know, these funk tunes, soul tunes and just rocking out. And then we started going and playing shows um, uh, like on there was this T-shirt shop called Elmo's on I think it was Main Street mm -hmm. off of Main Street. And they had like this uh, underground, um, you know, uh, lounge joint and we would have concerts there and invite our friends and they would come out and dance to our arrangements of an earth, wind and fire tune or, you know, you name it. Yeah, and, uh, and we would also do some original songs and stuff like that too. It was, it was a ton of fun. And, uh, there was like a horn section and, you know, uh, I would lead some songs and, um, there were, uh, two ladies involved and they would lead some songs and we would do background for each other. And, and, uh, that was it was so much fun and then let's see near the end of the college experience uh was a friend of mine who as like a last hurrah wanted to record um a cover of a bobby hebb tune uh it was a 60s classic called uh sunny and so we did our take of it and posted it online and it just amassed like a crap ton of views wow. and we had also done, um, not this group, but the Groove Spoon group had also done some videos and posted them online and they got a lot of views and people from other colleges especially would, you know, hear and be like, what? Get out of here. And uh, some of my peers, even from the gospel world would, you know, hear and be like, whoa, you know, I haven't, haven't seen you in this light before. And, and so it was interesting, man, because I started getting attention for you know the stuff that was not gospel right and uh and even during the time i was just like oh shoot is this okay you know but it was it's all part of the experience mm -hmm. and um 
But anyway, going back to the Ann Street Soul, um, we posted the cover online on YouTube and it just, it got so many views on, so we were like, well, let's put a band together. And we called it Ann Street Soul and Ann Street was the name of the street that we recorded on. And um, yeah, and so we did the EP and, you know, it, it was it was great, man, writing with the guys and uh, just trying something out really for the first time that was for me in terms of doing like a short body of songs and just, you know, kind of putting them out there. And um, eventually the group disbanded, but it was a cool, like, you know, last effort thing before graduating college. And uh, and then after that, <clears throat> after college is when I reconnected with uh, um, Jack, the guy, the band leader for Wolfpack or for the group that would eventually become Wolfpack. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, uh, I reconnected with him and we just like old times went into the studio, I think around 2013 and, um, and I met up with the guys in Wolfpack cause we all, most of us all went to school together. So I, I knew who they were, you know, we all knew each other. Yeah. Um, and I think that band formed in 2011 and it was like a, the idea was like a, like a rhythm section and it was kind of fashioned like after um, session musicians or session groups like when you think of the, the Funk Brothers or yeah. um, Muscle Shoals. Um, um, yeah, those types of groups there. And uh, that was the idea for that. And But they brought in collaborators and I was the first collaborator that sang a tune with them. Oh, so and they were so, mostly music at that time. Uh, or not music, or yeah, yeah, pure music, no lyrics. Without well, it well, instrumental, yeah. It but was, instrumental, it was, okay. it was primarily instrumental, and um, so I, I had done their first tune oh. with lyrics, and uh, yeah, and what I thought would just be kind of a, like a one-off collaboration, yeah. kind of turned into this, you know, like I've been, we've been collaborating now for like what maybe seven, eight years, and. Um, yeah, it's 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 been an amazing ride. By far the biggest, um, most impactful collaboration I think I've had. But um, and then, you know, through Wolfpack, I've worked with Corey Wong, who's also a collaborator with Wolfpack. He's a you know like a he's a funk guitarist and uh, yeah. amazing. And uh, so he and I have written some songs together and. Um, there's a lot of other, you know, scary pockets. I've been able to meet, you know, some really great musicians through that LA based, mm -hmm. um, project. And, uh, yeah. And I collaborate with a lot of other people too. You know, uh, I did a virtual collaboration with, um, this, uh, a gentleman, Ben Silverstein, who plays with this, um, band called the main squeeze. <laughs> and we did like a one-off collaboration, on during quarantine and so it's just been really cool to have that freedom to just go out and you know do what you want to do yeah. and you know people react or respond the way that they want but you know it's it's something that i enjoy yeah your collaboration skills are top notch man it's like <laughs> dang everybody's like yo join us <laughs> join us <laughs> It's, it's, man, it's been, it's been quite a journey. And I think yeah. sometimes you can get, I don't want to say lost, but you can get a little blindsided and you can, um, 
I've lived a great deal of my artistry to this point through collaborations. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm starting to um, do more or give more focus to solo stuff. And so mm -hmm. that's what I'm really excited about. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping next year that I can release some of what I've been working on. And um, But even sooner than that, I, you know, look forward to uh, releasing, you know, some projects uh, okay. that I've been working on that are geared more toward that solo effort, you know? Yeah. I was going to ask you about that because I know, like, you know, we talked mm -hmm. about the collaborations and then we know, I see that you haven't done the album since for a little bit. So I was going to ask you, like, yeah. kind of moving forward, what is this vision? I, I don't know if you want to maybe not tell us everything, but can you kind of give us a preview of, of what mm. you really want to come out with next or what you're working on? Well, you know, man, Paul, look, I just want to be an artist. I just want to be an artist. I want to go out and I want to sing to people and I want to, um, you know, make people feel like they, you know, not to be cliche, but that they can do anything or that they can overcome. They can, you know, that they can, um, they, 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 that they can get through. You know, one of the biggest things about being an artist is being authentic, being real. Mm -hmm. um, and w we artists go through you know, conflicts and, you know, turmoil and things of that stuff, that stuff too. And so we're constantly looking for inspiration. And, uh, so, and we just hope that through, uh, that with our listeners, that they, um, that they feel that, you know, that, that they feel, um, that authenticity with, you know, the artists that they're listening to through that music. And, um, but yeah, that's just what I want to do. I want to be able to travel the world and meet people and um, and help them, uh, you know, through music, of course, which is my avenue. And uh, that to me is happiness. That's happiness to me, being able to write, uh, being able to create um, and, 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 and collaborate and, uh, and to share, yeah. you know. Um, and so that's what the vision is. So it's the vision is not something that's like abstract or anything. It's very similar to what you know, any other creative wants. Now the particulars, how it's delivered, how it's presented, you know, when you get into those weeds, it, you know, things are different, very unique, right? Yeah. Um, and I won't get into that because I think primarily, and one of the reasons I haven't done a lot of interviews, I think it's because I want to, I, I want to do it. I want to focus more on doing it. And not really talking so much about it because I think that can be my downfall too. Is you talk or you think so much about it, but you you can experience this paralysis, and it's like you know um, sometimes you know when you talk or think about it, you get uh, blindsided by the 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 vastness of it. That it's like oh shoot, I've got so much to do. I don't know yeah. if I'm going to be able to do it. You know, like oh, and you begin to paralyze your progress. And um, but on the other side of that, I do think that it's important to talk things through uh, or talk through the process. And so I think it's really, I think it's great to be sitting here talking with you now because in a way it kind of reinforces um, my dream, you know, and it, um, in a way kind of, it's, it's like, you know, holds me to account because it's like, okay, you said it, you put it out yeah, there. It's recorded now, man. <laughs> it's recorded. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, well, what you, what, what you going to do? You know, yeah. what you going to do? <laughs> you said so, that. Uh, it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I am really excited because, uh, yeah, I think that there are some messages uh, of hope, peace, and love that I feel like 
um, that are definitely worth sharing and sharing in my own way. Um, and my hope is that people, you know, buy into it, um, and not just monetarily, but buy into it, meaning give, uh, give me a piece of their attention and hopefully it changes something for the better, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, I- um, maybe they love stronger, you know, maybe they will, um, have a sense of peace. Maybe they'll feel some comfort. Um, music can only do so much, but it can definitely help, um, uh, affect some sort of change. Um, the extent of that is, I guess it, it, it depends, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. No, I, I, um, as you were saying that, I just kept thinking about, uh, this argument I heard back and forth about, you know, stating your goals. And I've heard mm. sometimes people say like, don't tell people your goals because then it might put pressure on you to, to go achieve them or mm. tell people your goals. And then that pressure of I have to meet them because I've already said it is is there, right? Mm. And I, I think about that and I think for me, I've realized a little bit where, depending on who that person is, right? I think it really depends on who you're talking to. Because for mm. example, there's people around you that when you tell them, they're gonna either keep you accountable, mm-hmm. check in on you and say, oh, how can I help? And then mm-hmm. there's other people that you might tell, they're like, oh, okay, cool. And you might feel a little bit like right. not as confident. So I think it's a mm-hmm. mix of finding like who's going to actually help me support this dream. Who's going to yeah. help me bring that vision to life uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to really, really stating the action. But at the end of the day, it's always going to yeah. be that, that do that start. Right. Um, Yo, th- yes, it starts, mm-hmm. it starts and it usually starts and ends with you. And so um, nobody can't, nobody can give you drive. You know, you have to, develop and you have to cultivate that. And, um, so that's the thing It everything, most things start and end with you, uh, the creator and, uh, no matter what people think, you know, you just gotta, you got, you gotta keep it moving. And, uh, that's, you know, that's what I feel like the onus is always on me uh, or, or, or on the artist. And, uh, hopefully, the foundation that I lay is solid enough uh, and it's, and it's, and it's comfortable and feels good. And, um, yeah, I have no doubt that it will be, but it's just acknowledging that. Um, yeah. 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 And, uh, I was going to say that one other thing that I thought about as you were talking is the starting is very important, right? Because we always talk about like, you know, you talk about it, but just go do it. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But one thing that I want to start getting from all my guests now is I usually just ask for, you know, what are your words of advice? How would you help people? But I'm more mm-hmm. curious now is you've started it, you've done it, but I want to ask you, how do you stay creative? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so that first off, that's a big thing. Starting that's if, if anything, if you don't, if nothing, if you don't start, then nothing's going to happen. And, and in many ways, yes, I have started, you know, I've started writing songs. I've started putting myself out there, you know, doing that type of thing. I think one of the biggest ways to, uh, to stay creative is, is knowing what's out there. Um, but the thing is, is that you don't want to get so caught up into comparing, um, yourself to this person or this person, this artist, their work and all of that, because that could also cause you to, um, in in some ways to paralyze yourself, uh, but I think 
and being inspired by listening to others and just being aware of what's out there can kind of can help you and can help in your in the creative process um, because it can help give you a sense of okay what where should I be what level should I be on and how can I work to get there if I'm not there um, and yeah it kind of gives you a sense of where you are um, I'm also like I'm also trying to stay in the weeds of writing, you know, and, and, and coming up with new melodies and things. So those are things that naturally just kind of come to me. Uh, I mean, more so the melodies than the actual like lyrical portion, but, um, that's just something that kind of comes, just comes from within. And I can, I really can't explain that. Yeah. Um, every day I'm singing every day I'm coming up with a melody and trying to see how that could pair with a good lyric, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, I think the whole thing about getting started is one thing, but how do you keep, um, I think that has more to do with the drive portion. Um, uh, because if you think about your vision, it's like, okay, well, the only, the only way you're going to get there is if you move. And sometimes, you know, people can have a team that that's helping propel them and that's great, but you know, you're still, you know, um, you still have to provide that fuel, you know? And, uh, yeah, I think like even during the quarantine, man, um, I was, I had spent some time out in LA before going back to Michigan. And, um, I was like, man, it was a big bummer. But when that happened, I was like, you know, what can I, you know, what's going to happen? So I started, you know, I pulled up Spotify, you know, Spotify, you know, Spotify and started, yeah. you know, finding some of my favorite albums. And then I tried to, I started sifting through some of the, um, my little, my mini vinyl collection and, you know, trying to pull out some records that, you know, I love. And, um, then I would stream, you know, concert gigs and, you know, and then, you know, see if I could, you know, f find a good little drink to see if it all would make it like the real thing. <laughs> you know? And, um, and so that for me is, like the the weeds and then in addition to that i would find myself writing you know coming up with melodies and creating and doing virtual collaborations that to me is is the stuff that i use to um to stay engaged and stay creative um because in some ways yes i've started that but in other ways i feel like i have like i've yet to release a solo project mm -hmm. you know so that that portion there is something that I'm that's still in brew, but I have started it. So, mm. um, but now it's about the finish. It's like, okay, you started now you got to get to the finish line. But in terms of keeping myself creative on a daily, mm. it's, it's about taking what I feel like I am good at and thinking about, or taking what I think I'm good at and gaining knowledge about what's knowledge about what's out there and finding some common ground. Mm. So if I feel like I'm not completely up to par on a subject or topic, well, how can I get there? You know, if, if I, if my piano playing is not, you know, not that great, which it isn't, um, how do you, you know, how do you find yourself, um, um, getting better, whether it's, you know, going on YouTube and, you know, finding a session or connecting with a friend, um, in person or virtually to try to, get some tips, you know, mm -hmm. um, you really have to kind of put yourself out there and in the way. And so 
I think that that depends a lot on your drive. Gotcha. And uh, it's tricky because drive, I don't, I think, I think drive kind of comes within, mm -hmm. but having knowledge of what's out there can also inspire that drive. Yeah. Or I at least inspire, it inspire you to work um, harder toward um, fulfilling your vision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's, it's a hard balance too, because it's like, there, I, I think about it, I like to zoom out to make sense of things, right? So, you know, mm -hmm. when you zoom out, it's like, you got to get that person to just start. And that's a big yeah. part. And when they start, that's amazing, right? But then mm -hmm. if we were to leave them for a couple months, you know, a year or whatever, we have to kind of check back in, is that person still going? And I think that's where that drive aspect comes in, right? It's kind of like, and it's, what's, what's the gas that's fueling them? Is it the people around them? Is it just an inner, like, love for something? <laughs> um, because you could, you could run into burnout, right? And now you don't want to do it because you, you're so overwhelmed. You're, you've been comparing yourself. You don't see yourself maybe growing to the um, metrics or stats that you're, you're working with. So I think it's a, it's a very complex balance that I don't think has the right answer for everybody. But I think uh, surrounding ourselves with, with conversations like this or maybe tutorials or therapists it, there's a mm -hmm. you have to keep supplying that because it, it gets it gets tough you know right and environment is is, is is plays a lot into it as well i mean um i know right now we're are, we you know we are well I th things are opening up a lot more now but yeah. being able to surround yourself with people who are in the work and doing the work um is is a great thing too and mm -hmm. um it's been cool to have a network of friends who you know, are in music and some who, that are not, but you can share and bounce ideas, um, you know, to, you know, to each other is a great thing too. Um, mm -hmm. so community also plays a lot into it as well. Gotcha. That's good, man. I'm, I'm excited, man. I think, uh, it, it's good to hear you say all this because like, I think before I got to know your story, you mm -hmm. know, I remember hearing about you and I'm like, oh wow, Antoine, he's doing this dope stuff. He's making albums. He's an artist. Right. But I feel like now as I hear you, it's, you're almost, you're not at your peak yet. You know what I'm saying? I'm excited for what you're going to bring because I feel like you have so much, so much still to do. So I'm really excited to hear this, yeah. um, this next project. I really do. I do. I really do feel that way. I am. Um, I've been the recent work. Uh, I have uh, been working on an, like a joint EP with a producer, friend of mine. He, uh, approached me a lot, you know, uh, a while back about doing, just getting together and just experimenting musically. And I was like, Oh man, yeah, I'm down. He, um, has also done a lot of work with Wolfpack and um, his name is Tyler Duncan and, and uh, he's uh, an Arbor based producer. And um, so we've been able to, uh, you know, our, our friendship has grown and we've been able to kind of go back and forth with ideas. And, you know, we came up with a few tunes and wrote them. And um, in addition, you know, with uh, another Wolf, um, well, he's not like a collaborator. He's more of like an official member of the band his name is theo katzman and he's a songwriter extraordinaire and so we all got together worked on um these songs and hopefully later this summer i can you know roll that roll that out it's called hey. uh, ascension ascension and um yeah well the whole idea you know i think as an artist i want to inspire and uplift and i think this um this ep which is kind of a short ep does uh a, a, a bit of showing us, you know, that, that journey of, of going, you know, from here to here, ascending, you know, um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to people listening and just, 
you know, and, and, and getting some good feels from it. You know, I'm yeah. delivering some vocals that I haven't really kind of showed um, in a while. So gotcha. I'm, and I'm excited for people to hear uh, what's going on musically, but also message wise yeah. uh, on that project. Would you? I think also we, you know, we've been talking this whole time. I don't know how long it is mm -hmm. now, but um, oh shoot, yeah, right. <laughs> I, people haven't even don't they don't if they've, they've never heard of Antoine Stanley. Do you have? Mm -hmm. Would you like to preview maybe something to okay. just you know show okay. a little bit what what you got? I, I'm I'm trying to think if I could. There's a there's a tune that may it's it probably won't be on this EP. It'll probably mm -hmm. be on the solo project, but it's called Where Are We Now? And we think about you know where we are as a country, where do we want to go and as a people. And uh, I wrote this song with uh, a couple of friends and the, um, the pre-chorus goes, um, it goes, so that's the tempo. And uh, let me see, it starts, well, I've seen the sign and I heard the protest songs. Mm -hmm. And it's been some time, some change is bound to come. And I've heard some say that time heals every But I just can't tell if time can heal this one. Where are we now? Are we closer to the light? Singing in the dead of night. To the left and to the right, oh, I wonder. Where are we now? Where are we? You know, it's just that's the type of <laughs> tune it is. That's and I can fire. imagine, I can imagine this kind of a acoustic vibe, you know, yeah. just like on, I've actually have a bit of the song on YouTube, but mm. I, I'm thinking of a more fully realized version of it yeah, uh, or more, a, a more fully produced version of it. And it's just basically yeah. asking, okay, so where do we want to go? What do we want to? Mm -hmm. Where do we want, uh, what do we want to be as a people? And um, we've gone through a lot, especially in this, in, in, even in this quarantine alone, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, especially when you talk about issues of like race, racial injustice and things of that sort, uh, economic disparity. And, um, you know, I'm not trying to make, you know, your podcast into like this political talk. No, but I want it, I want it are, to be real, man. I want it to be real conversation. So. But these are... Uh, you know, these are some important issues. And so there's there's a time for amazing grace, how sweet the sound, you know. But then there's also a time for where are we now? You know, it's like, come on, you know, you, 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 there is always a reality. There's always a reality for the songs that we sing. And um, yeah, but I, I, I still might even, you know, try to send a, a little, uh, a little snippet in post. So yeah. we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I definitely see what I can do with that. I think that was. Uh, I appreciate the preview. I know you didn't have to do that, and uh, I know people sometimes oh, like to put good. on the spot. But uh, you killed that. Uh, well, man. well, I, you know, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll see what I can send here. And uh, but, like I said, the the, the EP. Uh, I'm looking forward to it being um, hopefully released sometime this summer. 
and okay. gives you know people a little something to new to listen to for me mm-hmm. gotcha yeah and um yeah that's and i think you know aside from previewing and showing your voice a little bit where can people reach out to you follow you yeah uh mm-hmm. stay in touch yeah so right now um like i said i'm I'm in the process of really just kind of revamping and building up um you know like uh, just my presence online um but people can still go to instagram i'm, pro- I'm probably the most active on Instagram where people can send messages and interact with me there or, mm. or, or Facebook or, but I would say, uh, probably Insta is the best thing. And, and it's just at Antoine Stanley. And, um, yeah. And like I said, as I begin to roll out more, um, people will have even more avenues to, to reach, uh, me and, you know, just to inquire about, you know, mm. what it is I do. And uh, I'll, you know, I'll definitely, you know, do a better job at, pushing that all out i mean it is an indie effort but yeah. <laughs> a lot of but a lot of indie people uh indie artists are doing a, an amazing job at that and so um yeah i look forward to sharing more about that mm-hmm. as my vision unfolds gotcha and no thank yeah. you for uh coming on here thank you for being a pal i appreciate the time yeah that's uh, nice. a technical difficulty but we overcame i think it was even better yeah, the man, second that was, time around so that was my fault man i appreciate you uh you know like you know still wanting to 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 go through it with it because i was so super excited and so i'm glad that we were able to chat and it's good to just kind of catch up man it's you know it's been uh a while since we first met Mm -hmm. you know and uh met you as a student and now you just you taking the world by storm (laughs) now i'm trying to i'm trying to but uh, no but you're inspiration to a lot of us including me man and uh, I've really enjoyed what you're what you're doing, and uh, I, you know, my hope is that your vision, or as your vision expands, mm-hmm. um, that uh, the accolades and and rewards for it do as well, because you are definitely deserving, uh, because you're you're doing a great service to a lot of people. Appreciate you, man. Wow, that means yeah. a lot. That means a lot. Um, yeah, I uh, appreciate you and uh, thank you for your time once again. You know, I'm gonna let you go and uh, we'll definitely have <laughs> to catch up after this too. So, I, I will, and, and I, I appreciate, man, and no problem. I will definitely keep you in touch about the release of uh, the new music as well. Thank you guys for tuning in to that creative conversation. I hope it was able to inspire you. And if you'd like to continue getting inspired, there's actually three main ways you guys can do that. One, you guys actually watch all the YouTube videos. Uh, that's the full length episodes and also clips just to get a little preview about what each episode might be about. Two, you guys can actually listen on all podcasting platforms, which is Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. Please feel free to leave a rating or review. Just to help me out and also get the word of mouth out there. Three, you guys can actually subscribe to the Pollen Pals newsletter, which is basically a written summary of each episode in addition to my takeaway so that I kind of give what the episode made me think about, what I got from it, link in the description and show notes. But without further ado, always remember to stay creative.